What's going on, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the MCU Reviewed. This is episode four. And today on the docket, we've got, aha, Thor. So another origin story here. Uh, we're excited to, to talk through uh, some of our likes, some of our dislikes, some Easter eggs, you name it. We're going to get to a nice discussion today. As always, uh, the MCU Reviewed is presented by our friends over at Fantastic, who we'll talk about in just a moment. But with me, as always, Mr. John Fick. John, how are you today, my friend? I am well. Excited to talk some Thor, my friend. Me too. Rashawn, how are you doing today? I'm great. I'm great. We got we're talking some God of Thunder. So we got some Loki. We got some Odin. We got man. We're getting into the goodness here. I mean, we've been in the goodness, but I mean, we're 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 just keep we're going head first. We just keep going down. <laughs> well said. And uh, our our good friend Del Reed. Del, we we just had a fun time uh, on a different podcast of sorts. We did. We did. We had a good time talking with Sal Capaccio of WGR about Star Wars. Hence, why I'm not wearing. A Marvel themed shirt. My bad. Sorry. I just didn't want to. I got us. Too okay. Lazy. All right. Yeah. Good looking out. But yeah, excited to be here. Thank you again for having me. I love doing this with you guys. Well, we love having you. It's uh, it's always a good discussion. I think this is uh, one of our favorite projects here at the Geekiverse. Uh, in case you didn't know, we are going through week by week, one movie a week on the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, it's going to take us almost all the way to Black Widow's new release date. So that's kind of exciting. Hopefully you're watching along with us here. Uh, let's talk about Thor in uh, in general here. Just kind of first uh, first impressions in a nutshell. Why don't we start with John? Yeah, man. Uh, so I think this is only the second or third time I've seen this movie. The first time I watched it was during my rewatch last year in the lead up to Avengers Endgame. And it was I, I liked it. It was okay. I just, for whatever reason, didn't really care to see the Thor movies when they came out. And nothing really compelled me to see the, the first two, at least. Um, I will say watching it again last night was the most fun I've had with this movie so far. I think that has a lot to do with the fact that Captain, Amer- Captain America, uh, Thor's arc has come full circle. And we've seen Thor in Ragnarok. We've seen Thor in Infinity War and Endgame. Um, so just to kind of appreciate that character was something that it was a lot different watching it this time. And again, when I watched it last year, I'd already, I'd already seen Ragnarok and I'd seen Infinity War. So I'd had a lot of that basis, but something about just the, you know, kind of the, the end of the MCU, the, the Infinity Saga, it just, it just helped a lot. Um, yeah, it was, it was a fun movie. I mean, it didn't, it's not blown me away in terms of, you know, a completely well, well well-made film. There's a lot of, I would say kind of boring characters. There's a lot of lulls in the movie, but I had a lot of fun with it. Rashawn, uh, tell us your, your thoughts on this movie. Yeah, so uh, if I transport myself back in time uh, and you're watching the end of Iron Man 2 and you see that post credit scene with Thor's hammer, right? Um, so at that point, we've gotten Iron Man, we've gotten Hulk. Um, and again, even if you look at past Marvel, we got Spider-Man, we got all these kind of different uh, comic book movies, whether they were good or bad. Um, but with Thor, man, you're like, how the heck are you going to do a Thor movie without making it like cheesy as all heck, like without just going like super, super crazy with it um, for the, for the, for the worse. But uh, my first impressions, uh, they, they, they did a great job for our origin story with this. Um, you know, they didn't go too over the top, but again, they didn't really have to. They, for me, they told the the story that they were looking to tell for a good origin story. Obviously, the setup uh, where they were going next, and they made a Thor in the modern day at that time. I believe we're talking 2011. Um, that didn't feel corny. That didn't feel cheesy. 
And for Thor's first live action appearance, they, they, they did a solid job. Uh, thank you again. If you're just tuning in, uh, whether that's on podcast form or at youtube.com slash the geekiverse, we are on uh, episode four here of the MCU reviewed Dell uh, dive into your thoughts a little bit on, on Thor. Yeah, this is only the second or third time I've seen this movie. And it's the first time I've seen it since Ragnarok. Uh, so uh, last time I saw this movie, I hadn't even seen, you know, the best Thor movie, one of the best MCU movies to date. Um, in mine and probably everybody else's opinion in the world, but um, <laughs> but uh, I really enjoyed it. One thing that really struck me, and I, I should have remembered this, you know, having seen Ragnarok so many times, but for some reason, this time it really hit me, like how beautiful, you know, a lot of this the scenery is with Asgard and just the cosmos. Um, it's really pretty, and, and I think that that's there's that doesn't get talked about enough in a lot of these rewatch you know, podcasts I listen to and everything. Um, and there's a lot of like early seeds in terms of the humor that Chris Hemsworth can bring to the character. You know, basically it opens up, you know, not to get too far, too far into the movie already, but it opens up basically as Lord of the Rings. And so they do a really good job of backing off of that a little bit and, and working a little bit of the humor in while still staying true to the, that kind of feel that they start off with. I think that's a good take, Dell. I was thinking the same thing last night. Like this is, you know, the first fantasy movie in the MCU early on here. It's got those Lord of the Rings vibes uh, to an extent. Um, and I, I do share your view on uh, that universe in particular, the looking at all the different realms, the different cinematography throughout. Uh, it's uh, it, it's different than anything that obviously we had seen to date and to an extent after that. Um uh, Thor. So for me, I watched. I've watched this movie so many times. Uh, my, I don't know if I could put a number on it. Um, it was one that I always kind of dreaded getting to. I was like, okay, whatever this. And I even found it. I, you know, dare I say, boring. Um, the first few times I did watch it through, seeing where Thor has come has drastically changed my opinion on this movie. I wouldn't say that I put this in the in the top half of my rankings, for example, when all is said and done. But goodness gracious, like. Uh, it was always Cap and Tony Stark for me. Those were always the two guys, even though Thor was kind of the third part of that triumvirate. But as we got to Ragnarok, and then on top of that, Infinity War, and even to a degree, Endgame, like, I love going back and watching this. Because as different and as much as we've seen this character grow, and arguably has gone through the most hell of anyone in the MCU, uh, he's at its heart... The very, a very similar character to the one that we see uh, in Ragnarok, that goofy kind of Thor, um, even though that's not where I, I believe they were going with it at first. So it's almost like he came full circle. Anyway, uh, I think it's one of the... Uh, it, it's hard to rank where it is in terms of origin stories. So you know we'll, we'll find that out in, in the weeks to come here. But uh, I think it, it's one of my uh, more favorable ones. So uh, this came out... Uh, John, we're going to get into box office numbers here. I want to say May 2011. Yes, yeah, May 2011 sounds right. I don't have that for any state, but I have box numbers, box office numbers. One thing I wanted to jump off with just first impressions, just kind of jump off something Dell said um, with the the visual art style and, and how a lot of the the scenes were like breathtaking, breathtaking for you. One thing that really stood out to me, especially watching last night, this was the first time in the MCU that the music has stood out to me. I thought mm-hmm. that in, yeah. in Iron Man, Iron Man Two. In um, 
Incredible Hulk so far. The music was just kind of very baseline, like, okay, this is superhero music, with the exception of Iron Man, because it was a lot of like licensed rock music, so it was a little bit different. But in terms of original music, this was the first time that I'm like, oh, we're we're in Asgard, and I can just tell with my eyes closed. This music is incredible. Yeah, John, great point. Um, I feel like I'm always listening to musical cues and just the general score of a movie. But I did notice that as well last time or last night watching this. Um, you hear a lot of strings, uh, cellos, violins, and that almost kind of plants the seeds towards the eventual Avengers theme that we get, right? You guys all know it. You've heard it a million times. That's um, It feels like it, the groundwork was laid here with this movie. For sure. Good call on that. Yeah, with the music, I think because Kenneth Branagh is the director. If I remember correctly, he brought in a composer that he had worked with on several of the Shakespeare movies. And so that I think that's why it has a little bit of a different tone. I'm looking up the guy's name now. Patrick Doyle is the name of the composer. And it looks like he had worked with Branagh quite a bit in the past. Cool. Makes sense. Yeah. They, uh, they definitely work well together. Uh, there's no doubt about that when seeing this movie. Uh, uh, another thing for me real quick, too. Uh, again, I have a different lens. Uh, just, you know, putting myself back when, when the movie came out. For me, at least... From from not and you could say this about a lot of the MCU characters they chose to build their own, of course, the Iron Man's, the Captain Americas, etc. But really for Thor, I mean, before this, I re- there were two characters that I hated in the in the MCU as we have today. I only give away one for now, which is and one of them is Thor. Um and like whether it was video games like way back when, like the Marvel Ultimate Alliance games, whatever it was, TV shows, comics, whatever, I wanted to avoid anything Thor just because I just associated with him being cheesy. And I'm like, okay, he's a god, but and eh, you know, Spider-Man, and eh, Hulk, and eh, Wolverine, you know. Um, but for me, uh, the direction they took with this Thor, man, this made Thor cool for me. Um, Chris Hemsworth's take, Kenneth Branagh's take, Kevin Feige's take, you know, all the cooks in the kitchen there uh this made this made that character and the rest of the characters in that uh thor universe cool for me so i really brought him to life in a way to where of course again growing up you want to be spider-man right or you know depending on the kid maybe you want to transform into a big green monster like the hulk uh there was a brief stint in my childhood where i wanted to swing a hammer and be the god of thunder there was a very brief time um, I want to be somebody else now, which which we'll get to in, in uh, future episodes. Um, and in terms of how many times I've seen this in theaters, I mean, not in theaters. I saw it in theaters. I'm sorry. But in terms of how many times I've seen it, this is probably the one MCU where I can't tell you how many times I've seen it. Uh, there was a period where I used to come home from school every day and put Thor on. Um, what reasons why? I don't know. You'd have to ask little me. Um, now I'm not saying that necessarily is going to reflect on my ranking per se, cause I don't even know if I have this on my top 10 today or may- maybe, yeah, probably not even on my top 10. Hey, don't give it away. Don't we'll give it away. You know, well, yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Um, and hey, your top 10 doesn't mean it will be in the top 10. It's true. Exactly. <laughs> right. Right. True. Exactly. Yeah. Um, to those of us who have already been shot down. <laughs> again, if I had the list in front of me, I, I can map it out, but just off of just initial instinct, it may not be. Uh, but I just remember watching this movie all the time. Uh, so this was a movie that I watched uh, countless times. And um, again, once again, made Thor cool for me. So Gotta love yeah, it. I, thought, I, I, oh, go ahead, Julia. Nope, you're good, though. Go ahead. I, I was going to say just real quick, like I, I hear what you're saying about Thor being like the least interesting um, character. 
like when I was reading comics and everything growing up, like he was, I was never interested in Thor. And even when they, the movie was being released, I'm like, all right, you guys really did sell off all your good properties, didn't you? You're making a Thor movie now? All right, whatever. Um, and who would have right. thought now, you know, almost 10 years later, um, that he's the one Avenger that's going to get four solo movies. You know, I, I, even Tony, Tony only got three. I mean, maybe four if you count Civil War. But, um, it, but it's, um, it, it's, it's ironic that he's become like so many people's favorite character now. And maybe that's because he's becoming less and less like the Thor that, you know, we always thought of, you know, growing up, we always saw. But I just think it's an interesting point because I, I always thought he was kind of bland vanilla as well, too. Even from his outfit, they made like I like the route that they went where, um, again, I'm not, I'm not sure the material or whatever, but he just has a full a full sleeve it's not necessarily cheesy and cropped off he he doesn't have the uh the traditional helmet they went away from that and just let his hair go like just even like little design things like that made him feel so much more modern and not ripped out of a comic book and this is going to be a thing we talk about we've talked about it already on the show but moving forward is like they've adapted every single character in the mcu perfectly from their comic book self to what they want in the MCU. Because again, if you take a lot of these characters out of the comic book and try to translate it to a screen, it's going to be a hot mess. And just visually, you're going to be taken out of the movie. Yeah, I think uh, it's it's kind of amazing the route Thor has taken throughout the MCU because I think a lot of us uh, probably would feel the same way, especially as we got to you know Dark World and even Age of Ultron right around there. Like It was like Thor was there. And that was it, kind of vanilla, nothing more for me. But things really turned a corner with Ragnarok, which I, you know, I can't wait till we get to that episode. That's going to be like a two or three hour episode. We're going to talk about it forever. It's going to be and I know Dell will have to be on that one. Um, what I was going to say was I, uh, this is the last of the three MCU movies that I did not see in theaters. Um, probably just, you know, no interest at the time because I was not into this idea of a shared universe. And I only kind of sort of cared about Iron Man and then shortly after Captain America, and then afterwards, all of them. So, uh, you know, that's that was my journey with this. Yeah, this was the one that 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 got me in the theater. Uh, me and my dad finally went. This was the first one, and like like same for you. Rest is history. <clears throat> uh, John, do we want to get into box office numbers? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, I was actually shocked to see that it made uh, four hundred forty nine million dollars in the box office for a Thor movie. Um, and it wasn't necessarily riding on the coattails of the MCU because it was really just being established. Um, I don't know if people saw that Thor trailer and the, at least the casual viewer associated that with those cool Iron Man movies that just came out, you know, like, I don't think people really made that connection yet. There, you know, there was, there's been Spider-Man movies. There was a Hulk movie a while ago. We get superhero movies or whatever. Uh, but now there's this Thor movie. So, I mean, to do 449 million to the box office is pretty huge for a Thor movie before the MCU was really the MCU first that fantastical movie we got like yeah. fantastical fantasy mcu movie for sure it broadened the universe right like it, it took us off of earth um to put that in perspective with how much the money this made uh solo a star wars story did not eclipse 400 i believe um uh, which to think about that with all the marketing power in craze behind star wars recently that a movie like that which is pretty re- well received by the fans you know, that's pretty good for Thor. Yeah. All the way back then when it, you know, really, it truly was, especially in the MCU, Thor's first on-screen appearance here. But to think about, my goodness, like, I can't wait for the next Thor movie. 
that's what I'm thinking about right now in terms of my future MCU movies. Cannot wait. Know very little about it, but I know who's involved, and that's all I need. Yep. I'm good to go. And yeah. it's amazing how miraculous that turnaround has been where he's become really one of my favorite characters. And I don't want to, you know, I'll talk about where Thor as a character ranks later on in, in the weeks here because it'll make some people mad, but it'll be a worthy discussion, if sure. you will. Yeah, as far as, uh, as as much progress as Thor's characters made, I don't think this movie is responsible for it, but it definitely happens. No. <laughs> no, it's definitely not. But seeing where Thor has gone has made me really like this movie. Yeah, for sure. Which I used to think was boring. And that's something that like almost isn't fair to say because a movie should stand on its own, but this MCU really is so different. Like they really pulled something up, like something special here. I mean, 23 movies that just really work together so well, and a movie from 2011 can be so much more enjoyable because of movies that came out in 2018, 19, 20. Like insane. It's really really cool. I could have talked about that too on on Sales podcast. So Sale had us Dell and I on to talk Star Wars and the ranking of the Skywalker saga movies. And one question he posed was great. And it was when you're ranking these movies, are you thinking about them as a whole or kind of individually? And I, I said, it's almost hard to separate them and look at them just like, I'm just looking at revenge of the Sith, or I'm just looking at a new hope because as much as I would like, for example, a movie like a new hope, I loved how rogue one connected so much with it that it would elevate a new hope in my star Wars rankings. Sure. Of course, that's a discussion for another time. But I think I see the same thing over in the MCU, whereas a later entry, like a Ragnarok, has made me at least think twice about where I would rank this otherwise. Yeah, I think this might be the best example of that in the MCU. I think it's very, very prevalent for sure. And when I, the filter I use when we're doing this podcast is like, I'm trying to watch these movies the night before we record. So how did I feel about this movie last night? And not how did, mm -hmm. like, not what's my overall perception and the movie's impact. And I'm not thinking about my first watch. Like, how did, how did I enjoy this movie last night? You know, with everything the considered. The rankings can change, right? Like exactly. they, it's funny. You would think that it, it wouldn't like you like these movies in this order, but, and again, we talked about that on, on sales podcast. It was how your rankings can change over time yeah. and really be affected by later movies, even despite the, the way you may have originally felt about them. Yeah, no doubt. Um, does everyone want to queue up the, uh, the original Thor trailer here? Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah. That trailer. All right. Cool. Let you steer here, John. It's not easy to do what you did. You made my man look like a bunch of minimum wage mall cops. That's hurtful. Would you like to tell me where you received your training? Afghanistan? Chechnya? Who are you? much to achieve peace for through your arrogance and stupidity you have opened these peaceful realms and innocent lives to the horror and devastation of war you are a vain greedy cruel boy and you are an old man and a fool you're unworthy father now take from you 
Your power! I cast you out! Please, open your eyes. Oh, no, this is Earth, isn't it? Where did it come from? Your ancestors called it magic. And you call it science. I come from a place where they're one and the same. Disobeyed his king. His fate is in his own hands now. I will end this. All right, gentlemen. So I think the first thing I need to say about that trailer, because I didn't say it in our initial reactions, oh my God, Chris Hemsworth is absolutely cut in this movie. How, like, how does a human being look like that? Just come on, dude. It's unfair. When he pops that shirt off and when they're in their, their office there, I'm like, this dude is, this dude is perfect. <laughs> it's insane. Um, Darcy even mentions that. Yeah. <laughs> For oh, a homeless man. guy, he's pretty cool. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, it's so good. Now, another first reaction is like, I think this is the four, four for four on dialogue that we saw in the trailer that we didn't get in the movie, where he's laying down and says, this is Earth, isn't it? That never happened. So early on that MCU, we're seeing a lot of, a lot of dialogue and stuff cut like that. Pretty cool. Yeah, two, two thoughts come to mind immediately. So in a lot of these trailers, especially early in the MCU that we've been rewatching on this show, I've not watched them uh, until this episode like we're actually watching them together so i've never seen that trailer before um two things come to mind is natalie portman always falls for the bad boy right and then uh if only the world knew the obsession they would have with loki just about one year later yeah just pure obsession it it blows my mind we were that close because this came out just about a year before uh avengers did for sure so. An- another thing worth noting is uh, so i've been compiling all these trailers here this is the first trailer that i was able to find that was on marvel's official youtube channel so iron man one two and hulk for whatever reason all were just on some like random like screen whatever youtube channels i couldn't find them on marvel official so this was the first one you know officially in the mcu of trailers <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of amazing also uh paramount uh was was involved with this one as well so we we see that in the early mcu that you know disney um uh, slash marvel was not doing this by themselves because yep. they couldn't yep um th- so uh, thoughts on the trailer uh, what do we start with dell first on this one uh chris fix your eyebrows man <laughs> <laughs> that's through the whole movie but the trailer just reminds me like this whole movie, his eyebrows are just like, why Why they die him so light? But um, no, it was, it's not where I'm it's, looking. Uh, it was, <laughs> no, it was, it was, uh, it was, it was a fine trailer. I'd never seen it before. Uh, it really just pretty much recounts the movie. Like, this is what's going to happen. This is what you're going to see. You're going to, he's going to get cast out. He's going to go to earth. He's going to, you know, fight some bad guys eventually. And um, nowadays, I think, I, I think it's been mentioned on this podcast before how, now the trailers, they don't have to show us anything. They're just like, here's, uh, you know, Black Widow. Here's uh, Red Guardian. Look, they're going to be together at some point and talk about things. And don't you want to see this movie? And then, you know, going back 10 years now or nine years or whatever, they have to really kind of like lay it out a little more so to kind of like tease people into it. But yeah, no, it was, good. It was, it was a fine trailer. 
I do love that. I love seeing these trailers from about 10 years ago now and just seeing how different they are. Like, and the other thing is too, that it's the clout that the MCU has. Like we kind of joked, they could just throw a title screen out and we'd all be like, yep, I'm buying tickets. I'll be there opening night. Yeah. Um, so it's definitely different times. I feel like trailers have gotten easier to make nowadays, especially in the MCU, because they can just be like, all right, show a close up of Black Widow's shoulder, but like do it from this angle and make it look real cool. <laughs> yeah. And that's like all they need. <laughs> but no, no back Who is then, she talking to? Let's yeah. tease it. It and, could be literally nobody that we care about. And guess what? This scene's not in the movie anyway, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> um, Rashad, give us your take. Uh, I echo the sentiments that, uh, you know, Dell just spoke of uh, one line that is in the trailer um, that I was going to talk about as like as we got more into the movie portion of the uh, show. But I'll talk about it now. Um, one of the best lines in the early MCU and when we always keep talking about how it helps shapes, how these things help shape the MCU. Right. One of the best lines was uh, when Thor says to Jane, uh I'm paraphrasing. Basically, magic for me is science, but for you, it's just magic is science that you don't understand. Yes. It basically, basically something you know. I'm paraphrasing, but that's basically the gist of what he said. And when you think about, uh, we think about that. I mean, you can think as deep as you want to about that if you want to you technically apply that to real life in some ways, I guess. But in a way, for the MCU, that is that is just so true. When we get to the to the future Thor movies, when you get to the Doctor Stranges of the world and everything like that, um, where how they just keep expanding upon these little elements. Like again, Mar- uh, Iron Man and Hulk are very compared for a superhero movie. Those were kind of grounded, right? As grounded as the kind of those can get. They're not as fantastical as a Thor movie, um, but this movie introduces cosmic elements and magic for the first time. Um, so just that one line and how it applied to the MCU at that time, but of course where it takes the MCU, um, that's a line that I had forgot about just over the years of me not watching this movie, but watching it again, I remember that always being a constant thing I would think about. This is a really good gateway movie to expanding that universe because uh, certain movies will do that throughout the MCU. Um, whether it was Guardians of the Galaxy really getting out into the universe or Thor just introducing the idea because essentially we're all Jane there, right? Like we're like, this, this is bizarre. And in, in Rashawn, you nailed it with that science quote and magic. Just that is a nice little segue to say, okay, we're kind of shifting a little bit and expanding this, this very small universe that is the MCU right now. So this is coming, right? And then we get a little bit of uh, a history lesson almost with Captain America in the next movie. Um, time travel later on the road, uh, some sort of interesting physics uh, throughout the Ant-Man movies. It's it's fun to see it all kind of tie in together. Um, yeah, John, any other thoughts on the, the uh, trailer at all? No, yeah, I think we, we covered it all. It's a much different trailer game nowadays, for sure. Uh, so I want to, uh, I usually kind of introduce some of my thoughts on the movie, just the notes that I keep throughout as I watch. I want to save that and just uh be a little bit more strict to our itinerary here that we usually follow. Uh, so we, we've talked about kind of our impressions on the film a little bit here. We, we reacted to the trailer. Let's talk about our favorite non-titular uh, character here or performance. And I think this movie in particular of what we've seen in the MCU to date has, um, you know, so this is the fourth movie of the four movies, kind of the best supporting cast. Um, 
there's a there's a yeah. lot of characters that you could choose from here. Yeah. If anyone has a, a particular character in mind that they want to talk about uh, first, I'll what talk you... about the obvious choice. <laughs> uh, Rashawn, you go first. So I get to talk about Loki. You guys can talk about <laughs> it too. Uh, but yeah, I, th- I think the obvious MVP here is Loki. Um, in terms in terms of this this bracket that we have here for the for the non uh, main character, and the reason why I say that I have a philosophy with superhero movies. Um, that kind of the MCU kind of has proved it wrong, but it's one thing that I do look for in every superhero movie, and is how good is your villain? Um, a lot of superhero movies, especially some of the all-time greats, when you think about um, again, you think about the you know Infinity War and Endgame. If you look at the posters behind me, if you think about the Dark Knight, um, if you think about some of your favorite comic book movies, generally, again, the MCU has proven this wrong sometimes, but generally they have a really great villain, and sometimes I believe. When you take in whether it's comics or uh, your your movies, uh, a superhero sometimes is only as good as their as their best villain. Thus, why people like Batman and Spider Man so much. The best rogues gallery on the two brands, the DC and Marvel side. So when it uh, comes to Thor, I think that it's the obvious answer. I'd be curious if anyone disagrees, but for the early part of the MCU, uh, I think it was a runaway vote that loki was the best villain in the entire mcu um just the complexity they introduced with the character um just not being the a mustache twirling villain um that he actually does have layers to him um in terms of he doesn't just necessarily want to be evil he just wants to prove that he is just as good as thor after being kind of put to the side his entire life um and then when you look at the the realization that again he's part frost giant and all that stuff um, and seeing what that does to the character. And at the very end, before he takes that plunge, um, he confesses, he's like, listen, I just wanted to do this for us. I could have done it. I could have done it. And still not getting that acknowledgement for Odin drives him, no pun intended, to the deep end. Um, to where we see him become the the uh, mis- the god of mischief. Um, so, yeah, his character had a lot of layers. I'm sure you guys are going to dive more into it. Um, but Loki and Tom, Tom Hiddleston's performance is, mm-hmm. I think, and again, that's another thing people agree on. There's, there's nothing to talk about there. Um, his talent is, and this really put him on the map. Like officially, I know he would, he did some other stuff before, but people really perked their eyes up and wanted Tom Hiddleston in their movie after these, um, these Marvel performances that he did with Loki. So, uh, yeah, Loki for me is without question, the best character, uh, that's not Thor <laughs> in this movie. If you're just joining us, thank you so much. This is the MCU Reviewed. I hope you're listening um, on your podcast station of choice, uh, as well as watching the video at youtube.com slash the Geekiverse. As always, the show presented by Fantastic. Uh, Before we get into more of the the secondary characters here, I do want to talk about Loki. Uh, So I feel like this is almost like the test run for Loki in terms of the MCU. I do not feel that this character comes into his own until we get the Avengers. Agreed. Uh, it's almost like he, you know, Tiger was let loose. Yeah. And once we got to Avengers, man, he is a big part of why that movie is awesome. But John, yeah. let's talk a little bit more about Loki. Yeah, I was, I was going to kind of almost straight up disagree with Rashawn. Uh, I agree with your sentiment that your your superhero movie is a, is only as strong as, as the villain, right? So you really need a compelling villain to tell an excellent superhero story. Obviously, there's some exceptions to that. For whatever reason, Loki didn't land really for me in this movie. And the performance was good. Tom Hiddleston did a great job. I just, 
I felt that his his motivations were a little bit clouded. Even watching it again last night and knowing his motiv- motivations, I knew the A to the B to the C. I knew Loki what he was going for. I just felt like they they were a little clouded in the way that pro- they portrayed it. I don't know if it was the, necessarily the cleanest storyline. I just felt like he was kind of always up to something, but they didn't really spell out what he was up to. And I guess you can say, okay, it's part of the you know the mischievous uh, Loki character, but didn't land for me the way I think it should have. Um, I just didn't really care about Thor when Loki was on screen. I, I really cared more about those relationships he had on Earth, uh, the relationships that he had with his friends, those other warriors that he was working with, um, the beginning when he was uh, in uh, Jotunheim fighting the Frost Giants, that kind of stuff. Whenever Loki was involved, I that was kind of the the, the downer for me. That was a, the, that was the low point of the movie is, is the Loki storyline, and even the final battle. Like I just I think that's even. Even with Abomination in mind, I think that this movie has the worst final battle of, of the, the, these four movies we've, we've watched so far. Um, if you want to go back into Loki, I'll get, I can give you my favorite character, unless you want to go more into some Loki stuff. More Loki stuff. Um, I don't know that they knew really what this character, despite Avengers coming out you know, just a year later, I don't know that they knew what it was going to be or could be. And um, like I said, I, I feel like that's the best way I can describe it is this was like the test run and it was like, he was okay. And I think one big thing is there's really not a lot of sympathy for this character. There, there's a little, but especially knowing what we get later on, uh, whether it's Avengers or my goodness, Ragnarok, he's wonderful in Ragnarok sure. or like the emotional stuff we see in infinity war. Like, that's a very powerful way to start that movie. And I think back to, uh, Avengers age of Ultron and how we were like, wait, Loki's not going to be around. He's not even going to be in the movie a little bit. Like, I think that was a huge disappointment going into that. Sure. Um, John, go ahead. I think and what's weird is like the emotion and the, that, that kind of empathy should have been there, right? Like he had, they laid the groundwork for why we should have cared about Loki, but just for whatever reason, the hooks didn't land for me. I just, yeah, I'm kind of, I just I agree. Yeah, I echo what you're saying. It's just like, I just didn't care yeah, that much at least. I mean, it was fine. It's okay. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, Del thought thoughts on, uh, on Loki in this movie. Yeah, I mean, he kills it in that scene with, um, with Odin when he finds out that he, you know, wasn't actually Odin's son. I mean, Tom Hiddleston in that scene delivers some of the best acting, you know, in the MCU. That that scene in and of itself, in my opinion, um, and the fact that he was with uh, Anthony Hopkins, just the acting chops that are in that scene is just it. I, I thought it was great. Um, I didn't have as much of a problem with the, the whole clouded, you know, motivation thing, but also um, it's Loki. So he's, you know, he's on the screen. Something like, oh, I love this guy, you know, but um, I, I can see where that, that criticism would come from, you know, um, but he's, he's, he's so great. And, you know, one of the things that, that it takes with Loki is, or one of his features is that you never know what he's really doing. You don't know what his motivations are. Um, and, um, you know, just to, you know, it's already been mentioned, but at the end, when he says to Odin, like, um, I could have done it for you, father. I could have done it for all of us. And how that echoes with the next Thor movie where he says, I didn't do it for him. You know, I, there's, I, I, I love what the MCU does with these callbacks, you know, back and forth between the movies. Um, but that's probably getting a little too far ahead of ourselves. But um, yeah, I mean, Loki's great. I think he's terrific. He's definitely... Um, you know, the best, you know, non-titular character in the movie. Um, Idris Elba, I don't think he was as popular then as he was, as he is now. But 
man, he brings such gravity to the scene. Every scene he's in, I just feel like he's wasted, you know, just because he has, like, he's so... Maybe it's just the bass in his voice. I don't know what it is, <laughs> but he just... He, for me, every time he was on the screen, he was commanding the attention in, in that scene. And There's I feel like he could have been there. used so much more. Unfortunately, Dell, I think that's a victim of uh there's a saying um from from a YouTuber that I watch. Uh and the thing that he says is the care the actor is meant to serve the character, the character is not meant to serve the actor. That is a mm-hmm. perfect example of that. Um even though Idris Elba today is one of the best actors around, um, you want him in your movie for sure. The role he got casted in, just you know, you're you're not gonna you're not gonna do much with Ham with you know Hamdal. You're you're just not, uh, especially in, not in the Thor origin origin story. So I think that's a perfect example of what you're talking about there and why he feels wasted in a way. Yeah, I've I've been thankful we had him. Right, let's just be thankful that he was in the movie for sure. Right. <laughs> My note about that when I was watching the movie was it's very cool to see Heimdall when he didn't matter. <laughs> Like just to see, you know, like this movie, we've kind of come to care about Heimdall from, from at least Thor Ragnarok and obviously the beginning of infinity war. Um, it's just cool to kind of see his roots and when he got introduced and when he was just like, he had a job to do on, on, uh, Asgard and he was just kind of that dude. It was, you know, cool. Not, not a callback, just cool to see him in that light when we know what he becomes. When Dell said that, uh, he always uh, was wasted. I was, (laughs) it's not the wasted I thought he was. That was my fault. Um, uh, what's interesting? I mean, he might have been. I wasn't on set, so I don't know. He's but. that good. He's that good of an actor. It was unbelievable. That's how he works, actually. So, <laughs> my uh, my last thought, Thank dude, just circling me. back to uh, sympathy towards Loki, and it becomes a theme in the MCU is that uh, they almost, in a way, create their own villains, for better or worse. Whether it was inadvertently Odin and Thor, you know, pushing Loki to to be what he was, or many of Tony Stark's adversaries throughout the years. Kind of, you know, it, that was uh, something that happened. So in terms of uh, Idris Elba, goodness gracious, yeah. Uh, John put it nicely. It's nice to see him when he, his character doesn't really matter. He's just got his day-to-day job. He's he's just kind of the guy, almost you imagine him like whistling when he works. Like he's just, he, he, yeah. he's in the role he wants to be in. Um, and to see again, that they make it an emotional sequence as we get to Ragnarok. And as John mentioned again, the beginning of Infinity War, makes going back and watching this all the better for me. Yeah. Um, secondary characters can't start off, I think, with a uh, much better between the Loki and him. But uh, Anthony Hopkins as Odin. Talk about presence. He just, uh, you know, legendary actor, of course, been in so many, so many things over the years. Uh, he is uh, the perfect guy to be Thor's father, I think. Thoughts on him? I think anyway. Anthony Hopkins is the perfect guy to do whatever they ask him to do. He's just so good. <laughs> like there's 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 a there's no miss with Anthony Hopkins. I I remember when that movie came out, seeing that he was in there. I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, he's the guy. <laughs> but just from the trailers or commercials or whatever it was, I saw. Um, he's always the guy. Such a no brainer. Like of course they have Anthony Hopkins. Of course they could have made a Thor movie with An- Anthony Hopkins as Thor, and I would they I would have figured out how to you know I would have liked it somehow. Old Thor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah worked <laughs> that'll be thor five uh i love a, a lot of what he does in the movie but one thing that always stands out is when he man when he looks at thor and says but you're not king Arya, or something to that effect that's so like biting mm-hmm. 
That is I'm like, man, that, don't you feel guilty? Like, that is my is favorite that. line in the movie. I had I actually randomly just deleted that clip. I've had that clip on my phone forever, and I just send it to people all the time. I don't know why, but he just goes, "But you're not king yet." It's it's so. I'm surprised good. you. I'm surprised you never sent that to me. Oh my! I've definitely sent that in group chats that you've been a part of. So you probably just have it on Do Not Disturb. John, <laughs> it's because you're the platinum king. That's why. So <laughs> yeah, I love that line so much. Yeah, that one really stands out because. Uh, you know, I think I think probably we've all been there. Uh, someone you look up to, whether that's your father, your mother, uh, role model, when they they tell you, they kind of put you in your place. Like mm-hmm. that that hurts, right? It's for your benefit, but it it's it's tough because you know you're growing, but you don't know that right away. So when you see that, and even Hemsworth's reaction is wonderful. Like he he captures the gravity of that situation. Yeah, he's like, well, damn. Uh, well, okay, yeah, you're right, and there's a respect there. Yeah, even despite him kind of acting like a child. Yeah. Uh, what do, What do we think of Natalie Portman uh, throughout the movie? That was going to be mine. We- I, I think, man, dude, I think Padme Amidala did a great job as uh, <laughs> as Miss Jane Foster here. I loved it. I don't know. I'm a I'm a big Natalie Portman fan. So I that's 100 percent bias coming from me. I she's super charming for me. I love her as an actress, and I she's been my favorite like right hand maybe like love interest whatever you call it the, my favorite closest to the main character that we've gotten so far like even ahead of Gwyneth Paltrow like hands down right wow. which I think is kind of overrated I, I'm not a big not a big Gwyneth Paltrow fan especially in those films but yeah and again I know it's biased I know I'm in the minority here but I, I really like her her performance and her character well let me ask you this why why the bias I just know everyone else well no I just like her as an actress but yes because of Star Wars <laughs> no but yes <laughs> Um, I, um, I'm hit or miss with her for whatever reason growing up. Like that was my, uh, that was my crush, if you will, like my celebrity crush. And it's probably just cause I love Star Wars so much. Um, so I don't know. I go back and forth, but I think of the, um, the few movies in the MCU that she's been a part of so far, uh, this is the better one. Uh, Rashawn, you were, you were disagreeing, I think. I a hundred percent disagree. I I don't <laughs> care. I don't care. Uh, there's a reason why she hasn't. She she hasn't been in the MCU since. For the oh, well, uh, it has. Uh, my, my apologies. Thor: Dark World. Um, but there's reasons why she she has not been a part of it. No, nobody cares except John. That is uh, that is not the that's reason. All I'm gonna it is a that's very there are very clear documented reasons why she's not part of the MCU anymore. Even though she's going to be in the next Thor movie, but whatever. Despite that, nobody batted an eye except you. But it's okay. She's back, guys. Yeah, she's uh, she's Lady Thor. I am intrigued to see that. But uh, she was an Endgame too. Come on. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, forgot, I, I, I blinked. Sorry. Tell, uh, let settle this for us. I guess uh, Natalie Portman, kind of yay nay. Well, I mean, this movie doesn't really like. I, I feel like you could have put like so many actresses in that role. I don't think she brought anything special to the role. Uh, I'm not a Natalie Portman hater. I'm also, you know, not a, like a really a fanboy or anything like that of her. But um, she, I was like, all right, she's there. She filled the role. I did think she had good chemistry with Chris Hemsworth um, in in the scenes they had together. They did. It didn't seem, you know, stilted or anything like that. Um, so yeah, she was fine. I don't really have a really deep opinion either way. Does uh, a character like Darcy piss you guys off, or is it funny too? I liked her. Cat Denning as Cat Denning. And yeah, Thor. <laughs> that's I mean that's her and all of her all of her work, right? Cat Denning as yes, Cat Denning. I yeah. liked her in this, uh, Me too. and I 
probably more so, believe it or not, in Dark World. Uh, probably one of the, the bright spots of... Mm-hmm. No pun you would think she'd be world. like an annoying character. Uh, she's She could have been. Yeah, she she easily could have been, but she, she, was, she was... Yeah, I think they like they, <laughs> they were sparse with what they used. Like, they didn't like, overdo it. She was very much a side character to a side character, mm-hmm. so it wasn't, you know... We got just the right amount. Yeah. I love Mew-Mew how she call, uh, pronounces Mjolnir. Uh, Mew-Mew? Right? Oh, he's like, meow, meow. That's really good. Um, and then Dr. Selvig, I do not recall the gentleman's name who played him off the top of my head. Um, but he's going to, yes. Uh, thank you, Del. He's going to be in, um, oh my gosh, the Cassian Andor series they just announced, which is kind of exciting. So uh, he also was in um, Pirates of the Caribbean. He was in Chernobyl, wasn't he? That HBO series. Uh, Anybody else watch that? I had not seen that. I think he was the main character in that, and that was absolutely great. I can tell that you guys um, don't live with a bunch of musical nuts because he was in Mamma Mia and the Mamma Mia sequel, the ABBA musical. So he was a very prominent role in that. Sorry, Dell. I can't say that I've uh, I've partaken. <laughs> I live in a hen house, man. It's all. <laughs> this is your escape for the time being. Um, so, uh, next bullet point we want to get to is that moment. If there's one moment that kind of spoke to you, not necessarily even your favorite moment, but you know what's a memorable moment or two, or member uh, memorable bit of dialogue that's you know quote unquote spoke to you in this uh, this movie. Any anyone that comes to mind. John, yeah. uh, do you have one to, to start us off? It's two, but they kind of mirror each other. So when uh, when he finally gets into the the facility and uh, and Mjolnir's in in you know in shield control, and he finally gets there and he tries to tries to lift that hammer, that was a huge moment for me when he just couldn't. Like the music was perfect. It was raining. Like like you really felt his desperation there. Like I really really liked that. That was one of those first like I think that was the first moment that really grounded the Thor character. Like I think until then he was still the cocky kid who like what inherited his powers and he was the strongest. He was king to be all that kind of stuff. Um, that was the moment that really got me like oh this guy's in for this guy's in for a, a wake up call here. Um, that was really cool. And then the exact mirroring of that is when he finally gets it back at the the, the beginning of that final fight. When he's just hanging out, you know, somehow dead from a scratch. <laughs> that was very weird to me. That like the dude just like flicked him away, and he and he was presumed dead. Like I know he's just a dude, but like you know, whatever. Um, yeah, when he got a John, back let there, me see you take a take a hit from an Asgardian mech suit thing. Dude just flicked him with his fingers, and we assume he's like literally dead, not even just injured. Like we just gave up. Everyone's like, no, it's over. Like what do you mean, dude? Like took worse <laughs> hits throughout this entire battle. Whatever. Maybe we'll make Bruner do that. I, I kind of need go. John here. Yeah. Uh, we... So, like, the next funny Geekiverse video, it'll be Bruner. Oh, I thought you meant for real for science to see if it would really matter. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's exactly what I meant. Yeah, um, cool. So that moment when he when he gets uh, Mjolnir back and he you know instantly gets back into his his Thor garb and the thunder hits like that was that was super cool. Uh, Rashawn, any moments stand out to you? I would say for me. Uh... The thing that I guess one of the reasons why I would get hooked on this movie just watching it when I was younger is because it starts off um, or one of the first major scenes is Thor and the crew going to um, uh, what's what's the Jotunheim. planet called? Jotunheim, yes. Uh, and just seeing that that battle, man, and the, and the specifically uh, just seeing Thor like just wreck shop like and Loki brought it up later in the movie is like you could have destroyed that entire planet if you really wanted to or their their entire race uh specifically is what he said 
And the way Thor was going, like if they, if he wouldn't have gotten held back, uh, yeah, he probably could have. I, I just love seeing that. And that really brought, uh, again, taking it from the corny comic book character um, that I used to always read, Vert to, yes, this is actually the God of Thunder. Thor is no joke. The other characters didn't even need to be there, and he probably would have been able to hold his own. Um, so that scene was, was really cool. And then, of course, seeing how it ended uh odin trying to be all diplomatic but it's like dude your son just butchered how many of their people there's no way to stop <laughs> so mm-hmm. that that whole that whole interaction and just seeing obviously again where how that shaped the movie uh always is one of my favorite scenes dude and his again and his uh odin in particular every there's so many lines throughout the movie that i just appreciated so much but him kind of saying let's treat those as the actions of a, a child like, yeah, that's my kid. He screwed up. But like, let's, you know, just the way he, he interacts with everybody, I thought was awesome. Um, Dell, any any moments or quotes, anything like that that stand out to you? I need a horse. <laughs> really good. <laughs> well, uh, we only have cats and dogs. Uh, uh, so fine. Give me one big enough to ride. So okay. good. <laughs> um, that was probably my favorite, like, you know, bit of humor in in that movie. But uh, in all seriousness, the whole sword in the stone aspect, uh, like John was saying a minute ago, uh, was really kind of, I thought that was really good. And then he just, he's so low and then Loki shows up and kind of like just pushes him lower. And, you know, I, I thought it was pretty good. I don't know if I, if I credit Chris Hemsworth or Kenneth Branagh or whomever, but, um, I felt bad for a God, you know, I felt bad for a God of thunder. And he was really that probably the lowest point, uh, short of, you know, after Asgard is destroyed by Thanos, that we actually see him in in all the movies. And I thought that was that was well acted. It was well well done. I like all of the points you, you guys made. I think they're all really nice. Um, one thing, there, there's a few kind of smaller moments that come to mind for me. It's Thor getting used to life on Earth and just being totally out of his element. Like, I always appreciate stuff like that. Um, even thinking to a, like a a movie like Wonder Woman where Wonder Woman's totally just, she doesn't know like a lot of the common social tropes and traits and just everyday dialogue. I, I appreciate that when like a superhero is out of their place or out of their element, despite being so powerful and awesome, they, they don't really know how to just go to a coffee shop and have ask for another cup of coffee. Like he slams the, the mug down. Another, That's hysterical. Yeah. I think so much of that worked into his, his humor here too. Like the, the line that Dell said about the, the horse. And then when he's like, uh, where did you find that thing? 50 miles West. Where are you going? 50 miles West. <laughs> like, <laughs> just going to walk. Just get up and goes. Yeah. Really All good. of that's great. I, I think, too, on a, a more emotional scale, I like when he is actually sitting at the fire uh, with Natalie Portman's character, and he's talking about what Rashawn mentioned earlier with the science and magic, because he seems like he's finally at peace. Like, he's he's made peace. And sometimes in life, I think, on a more serious note, you have to f- be comfortable where you are before you move on to that next step, that next promotion, that next chapter, if you will. Not always. But a lot of times I do think that that's true. And you see him there and it was a huge, it was one of the first times in the MCU we see Thor growing. We see a lot of that throughout the Thor movies and the Avengers. So I think uh, that's, that's kind of a nice quiet scene. And he's just at peace and he's, he's kind of explaining uh, the universe, not just to Natalie Portman's character, but to everyone in the audience there to expand this, this whole MCU. 
Uh, Stan Lee's appearance. Uh, so Stan plays a truck driver who is trying to pull Thor's hammer out of the crater in New Mexico. Amazing. That whole sequence is really fun, right? Great. Yeah, I love it. Uh, you can imagine if something like that happened in real life. <laughs> uh, we've got uh, the in the post credit scene. Uh, Selvig is hired at Shield, so this kind of ties into uh, the Avengers a little bit. Oh yeah, it's like the opening and scene, right? Just about. Uh, it's really revealed here that Loki is uh, behind a, a you know a lot of what's going to be happening there. So um, I can only imagine seeing that had I seen this before Avengers to be like, oh my gosh, that's that's craziness. Like, yeah. you know, and of course Sam Jackson there again. Yeah, cool. this is the last movie timeline wise before the Avengers in chronological order. Spoiler alert. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, just kind of random notes that I hid throughout the movie here before uh, before we get uh, on to to the rankings. Uh, a quote from Odin uh, to Thor is that a wise king never seeks out war, but he is always ready for it. Something that's always stood out to me throughout the MCU. Uh, I mentioned this earlier, though, Thor and the Thor we see in uh, Ragnarok and Endgame, for that matter, are really different characters at the heart. I think they're they're kind of the, the same one in coming uh, full circle there. Um, they mentioned that Mjolnir was forged in the heart of a dying star. Of course, that foreshadows uh, a little bit of our trip and what we see in Infinity War. Thor getting tasered is uh, a hilarious bit of irony to me, right? The electricity that is going there doesn't take a lot to, to really get him down. Um, I didn't think about that. I didn't think yeah, about that. Me either. Yeah. That's cool. Kind of a little bit funny there. We see, uh, really, we take for granted that this movie establishes the dynamic of Thor's hammer, how it, it floats, how he throws it, how he uses it. Now, we see different iterations of how he uses it on enemies in different movies, but really, um, the sound, as you hear kind of that whirl before it comes back, uh, to even, I mean, that that whole dynamic visually could have been messed up, but really, they did a fine job in establishing that this thing is very heavy, but Thor is unique in the fact that he can wield it, right? Yep. Uh, Thor out of place on Earth, I already mentioned. Gamma Ray references, of course, which uh, points to a number of things in the MCU. They talk that this is the stuff of legends and that it's from children's books, which is funny because all of it becomes a reality in their world. Uh, John mentioned how much um, Hemsworth is just like this perfectly chiseled, ripped human being, right? So uh, I remember reading articles about this movie, despite not having seen it. Um, and I remember Hemsworth particularly being like talking about how much steak and eggs he had to actually eat to, to get that kind of body. But I believe it. You know, alleg- allegedly from everything I've heard, like that was all real. Like there was nothing here that he did. He did not build his body up to be, uh, which is, is kind of crazy. Like, oh, they, sure. But he won't man up for Endgame. They have to put on a bodysuit for that. Oh, yeah. that I can't correct. wait to talk about that in, the, in that episode. <laughs> I've got some issues with that. But we'll talk about it. We'll talk. He won't man up. That's great. Yeah, I mean, I I could have done that. (laughs) Uh, Loki trying to lift the hammer. Gotta love that. Of course, Mm -hmm. he's not Mm -hmm. worthy, uh, but we see that there. Uh, Towards the end of the movie, when we see the... um, I don't remember the name of the main... uh, The thing that wipes Thor out. Swings its hand. Yeah, Yeah, the destroyer, yeah. Uh, So when they see it, Coulson says, is that one of Stark's? That was fun. Nice little tie-in again. And uh, something that I always forget, but uh, picked up again last night, is that Thor talks to Coulson and calls him son of coal. I think that's really funny. <laughs> oh, that's great. I didn't even notice that. That's really cool. Says it really quick, but it's so perfect. <laughs> son, son of, of coal. That's cool. 
instead of Odin Son, if you didn't catch the reference. And then um, this is not at all tied to the MCU, but as a Star Wars and MCU fan, when Sam Jackson's Nick Fury says uh, in the post credit scene that it, uh, the Tesseract could be the the way to unlimited, unlimited power. power yeah. I think about the last time we see Mace Windu I never uh, being blasted. I never thought and they wow. say unlimited power yep. from the Emperor. So I literally never made that connection. At, wow. That's yeah. These things that just, there's always like you know my hard drive and it's got my day to day life on it. It's got a little bit of Star Wars and MCU always running. Nice. Always. Great. I got a I got a couple uh, of little things too once you're Yeah, I'm good. Cool. Uh, so I think so, especially coming right off the heels of Iron Man two, it's cool to see them set up once again another character that's going to eventually be a main character in MCU in, in Hawkeye in such a small way. Mm-hmm. So we got back to back. We've got Black Widow being set up, obviously in a much much bigger character in Iron Man two than Hawkeye is here. Um, but then you've got Hawkeye here in uh, in this movie. Really cool to see. Um, in when you when you're you know when we have this hindsight of this entire MCU, we understand that like. They could not have given these two characters standalone movies and sold tickets. Like Thor has a name. Like we'll get you there. Like that's you know that that, that we'll we'll make our money back at least because it's Thor. We'll we'll make it a good movie. But at that point, 2011, they are not selling tickets to Hawkeye and to Black Widow. It's just not going to happen. So to see them set those two characters up, albeit very minor in this movie, that was pretty cool to see to see him make his first appearance. Um, yeah, it, always even, always forget that Hawkeye is in this movie. Yeah, like even last night I was like, oh, that's Hawkeye. Yep. No matter how many times I see it, and just speaking to that too, like the I think this is where we like really see what Shield is all about. Like we we've got we've got the seeds planted from the first two Iron Man films. Like we know that all right, they're they're looking out for some for some stuff that the regular government's not really looking out for. But now we kind of see their their whole operation here, and that they're like they're really on top of stuff. But they you know they've got some work to do. But just seeing them kind of get fleshed out was a lot of fun. Um, and then I have an Easter egg that that I I learned yesterday because it because I knew it was something when I saw the name. Because when they when they give when when they give uh or what, what was it um oh he's got the shirt on right and then she says it's my ex boyfriend's shirt and it, the the name is Donald Blake I was like that has to be something Dell are you familiar with it oh what this yes. Is? yeah yes, yeah I am yeah so I didn't yeah, I, I had no idea so I mean I think Josiah and I might both be clueless here because we're not big comic guys Rashawn and Dell they would know this but so Donald Blake in in the comics was act like in a very very similar storyline from what I've learned uh when Odin casts Thor out for very similar reasons because he wasn't ready, he wipes his memory and throws him onto Earth without any of his powers, and he puts him into the body of, of, a, of a disabled Harvard student named Donald Blake. And he's met with the same tasks of trying to get his hammer back and X, Y, and Z, but he literally is Donald Blake. So it's an alter ego for Thor in the comics. I did not know that at and, all. Yeah. I, it's funny, John. I remember... like. They're so obvious with it. I feel like exactly. Donald Blake and I almost wrote a note, but I had no idea what it meant. So yeah. I just skipped it. So I'm happy that you did the research. I knew I, I knew I had to. And I knew that I, I figured somebody in the room was going to be familiar with it because, I, I, you know, they, it was pretty on the nose, but I, I had to know. So now who, whoever else didn't know, now you know. <laughs> yeah, That's fun right. fact See, about Donald Blake um, is that originally, I think when the Thor character was first created, it was almost like an alternate, uh, or I'm sorry, like a secret identity kind of thing. Like that, the Dr. Donald Blake found the hammer and then he became Thor. And then I think like years later, they retconned it. Say, actually, no, he was always Thor. He just didn't know it. Got but, it. Well, that's a little bit of nerd trivia. Sure. I'm sure the, the version I read was the retconned version. Like, you know, because it was like on a, 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 a Marvel official page. So they were trying to give me the, the story they wanted. Oh, yeah, for sure then. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> 
Any other uh, Easter eggs or fun facts that or notes? That's what I got. That's it. All right. So, uh, is it that time? Are we uh, we ready to rank this thing? I can't yes. wait to rank these. Let's do All it. right. So I'm going to so- pull up the ranking image for the folks at home. You guys don't have the, you know, the privilege of seeing them on your end, but it's pretty simple. Right now we're sitting at uh, Iron Man number one, as we all obviously agree. Iron Man 2 at number two, and The Incredible Hulk at number three. Just so, for argument's sake, yeah. Dell, where would you rank Iron Man 1 and 2? Which one would you have higher? I'm sorry, bud. I, I listened to the last episode. I'm, I'm with the other guy. <laughs> <laughs> that, that did not go as I had planned. How? How didn't you... How did you not expect that? All right. Uh, you guys gave Whiplash so much love. I think he was such a boring villain in that in that <laughs> movie. I'm sorry. Like you guys are like, oh, he's cool. Like, he's boring. He's I like, liked him. Uh, they gave Whiplash credit. I didn't say anything. <laughs> I had fun. Oh, no. I still ranked it too, though. I, I still made the right call. Um, it's a good oh, movie. I love it. Don't get me wrong. But. This <laughs> is why I'm not using a snap on that one. Yeah. Because I, I know that I'm not going to get the public's uh, backing on it, yeah, which yeah. is fine. You know, everybody can be wrong from time to time. Yeah, oh, boy. Take it where you can get it. All right. So who here thinks that uh, Thor should rank above the Incredible Hulk? I do. Me. All of us. All four. So let's slide down the Incredible Hulk. Who thinks it should rank above Iron Man 2? I do as well. Rashawn does. Rashawn, I think oh. you're alone, my friend. I think oh, you're alone. Is- How do you feel? You know, I'm gonna come around. I'm gonna come around. Ooh. Yeah. All right. It's, it's a it's a it's a point zero something something whatever. But yeah, I'm gonna rank you're, it above. We've Iron never Man. had a tiebreaker before, so what do we do? The majority has to rule, my friend. It stays at number three. <laughs> That's how it works. Not. So at least you got some moral support okay. from Dell. But it stays at three. <laughs> I think that's another one I wouldn't use a snap on because it is, it, it is close. It's gonna stay mm-hmm. down there regardless. I think. I think once we yeah, that's once not, we start, that's that's not blasphemous. That's not like ridiculous. That's not gonna make me fall out of my chair. There's a couple that I think might, yeah. unfortunately, but that I one I might, I might. It's funny because yeah. like we're just four weeks in here, but I, and there's only been really, it's not even that much contention because like you guys say, an Iron Man is better than Iron Man 2. I'm like, yeah, that's fine. Okay, whatever. I, But, like, and same, I think, to a, a degree with Rashad. Like, if you guys were to be like, no, Thor is definitely better than Iron Man 2, I'd be like, I might be able to get there. See, But, like, I can't wait to find where we we find, like, this... There's, there's going to be someone that have, like, five movie gaps, <sighs> and I'm, I already know one. I'm not going to say it, but well, I know one, and it, I'm going to have to do some I fighting. know, just from knowing John, kind of where some of his would sit, and yeah. I know, like, we've got similar tastes with this ranking, but there are some, there are maybe a few <laughs> drastic ones that are going to, that would be the most fun debate for all of it. I I'll think. be honest with you. If if you would have gone, if I would have gotten outvoted here, I probably would have used a snap. Like, I feel pretty strongly that Thor is not a better movie than Iron Man 2. Like, I probably would have gone to the poll and would have fought for that one. Because I think the Iron Man movies, I just, like... Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark is almost all I need for them to not be bottom tier movies. Like, the, I, I watched Thor. I didn't see Robert Downey Jr. And I didn't see anybody even close. <laughs> I didn't see anybody close. They're, they're like, the, all three of the Iron Man movies, like, fault them for what you will. I think that they stand pretty pretty uh, far above some of the bottom tier Marvel movies. So I would have fought for that one if I would have lost. So I am very, very excited once we get to Iron Man 3 week because that is, um, 
like Dell and I talked on again on sales podcast about like where Last Jedi, for example, would stand, or even Empire Strikes Back towards the top of the list. And like there are certain MCU blasphemies, and I know people feel strongly very about where so. they think Iron Man three should be. I think um, Iron Man two and three, I, people have some very strong opinions on. I think Rashawn's already showed his hand a little bit, but Rashawn, I'm hoping you watch Iron Man three in a new light. I hope you sit down and watch it in 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 just put all your past bias aside, like I did with Thor. And I hope that the- I, you know, I I agree. I I hope I do too. What was the last I'm- time you've seen it? <laughs> He's saying don't count Good on question. it. Question. Um. It, it at the minimum has been i know it's been more than two years it's been about three three and a half years it's been some time so, so the, I'm, ho- I'm hoping yeah. i'm not i don't want to go into it and yeah we're, we're not going into anything we're wait. not going into anything but i just hope you give yeah. it the the time of day so just to recap I, while, while i have it up here our current <laughs> rankings are iron man number one iron man two number two thor number three the incredible hulk number four so that's the official mcu reviewed ranking for week four all right. All right. Well, I like I'm it. Well, I'm to see how this goes on because you and I, I think we have very similar thoughts so far in terms of like rankings and everything. And just hearing what you said about Iron Man 3 in the last episode, I'm really excited for it to. You guys so, could do a whole separate episode of each one of these where the, it's just the debate of where the movie the ranking. in contrast to the other movies. Yeah. It's going to get that way. I, exactly. I, I think eventually we're going to have to slim down some of our thoughts on the movies just to fit in like a half hour for these rankings because we're going to get in there. You will see them proportionally grow in terms of this this last segment here oh, as yeah. we move on. Uh, probably towards, I would say, once we're about a third of the way in. Yeah. Uh, it, it'll get very, very interesting very quick. That's my, that's my uh, favorite part, though. Is I, lo- I love the ranking stuff. I love those conversations. Yeah, it's uh, it's a blast. And honestly, you can't go wrong. It's the MCU, guys. It's awesome. For sure. Uh, but we do want to hear your rankings. Uh, from home, the Geekiverse community, go to facebook.com slash the Geekiverse or visit us on Twitter. Get into it with us. We we want to hear what your list looks like after four weeks so far. Um, John, time to talk about a giveaway? Yeah. So Dell's here, which is always fun. Uh, so our official partner of this show is uh, Fantastic, which is an awesome line of shirts from uh, the folks over at 26 Shirts. Uh, they have partnered with us to give away one shirt from that Fantastic line per episode so we are on week four here so we'll be giving away our fourth shirt um we're flipping around different social media platforms trying to you know get get the get different options out there for different ways to enter we're looping back to twitter so uh so when this episode posts which will be monday i never know the date and i'm never ready for this part monday the 25th uh, memorial day this uh, this episode will post um alongside that you will see a very clear tweet that says hey giveaway alert this is the tweet retweet this Follow us on the Geekiverse and follow the folks over at 26shirts slash Fantastic and you'll be entered to win. So every week, new shirt. Big thanks to, uh, to Dell and all those folks over at 26shirts. So we'll, we'll wrap up this episode of the MCU Reviewed. We'll leave off with uh, some social media information so everyone can get in the conversation. And uh, just a, a quick plug for anything you may have going on at the Geekiverse, because we've got a lot going on during anniversary month here. But let's start with our uh, our special guest, who's become more than a special guest on the show. He's at least an every other week kind of guy right now. Uh, Mr. Del Reed, tell us a little bit about what Fantastic is, how you help people, and where people can find the wonderful merch. Cool. Thanks. Yeah, I'll go real fast. So 26shirts.com, we sell a different typically Buffalo themed t-shirt every two weeks. We also have a Chicago line. Uh, but as anybody who follows me on Twitter knows, um, I love 
you know, the 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 movie franchises and, and geekdom just as much as I love sports. So I had to find a way to express that. And so the natural progression was to do a line of shirts that were just based on geeky type things. So we have some Star Wars themed stuff, some Marvel themed stuff, some other, you know, different fandoms and everything. And normally it's all limited edition stuff. But now and then we have some overstock that we sell on the website as, as well. And uh, what makes us different from every other T-shirt company is that for every shirt we sell, we donate a portion of the um, proceeds back to either a person in need in the community or uh, a charitable cause that is helping people in the community. So um, that's our mission. We want to take the things that people love and find ways to honor those things that people enjoy and do it in such a way that gives back to helping somebody else uh, who could use the help. So that's kind of our thing. We've been around uh, almost seven years now, and to date we've raised over $750,000 that we've managed to donate back. So um, people seem to like what we do, apparently. I'm super honored, and, and I love that. And I'm just it gives me a lot of cool opportunities to uh, help people in need and then also hook up with you know people like yourselves. And um, you know, talk about fun movies and, you know, stuff like that. It's always, uh, always exciting to see that number climb, uh, in terms of the, the dollar amount there. Um, I, I got to know Dell in, um, I believe 2017. Now we kind of hit it off talking about star Wars that led to a, you know, a fun relationship. And, um, here we are, you know, podcasting together it, it's pretty awesome, but, uh, let's get these guys to a million dollars here. Uh, it's going right into the community. It's helping people in need. Uh, you won't find a, a better collection of human beings that are doing this and making a real difference in the world. So we appreciate you, Del. Thanks. John, what's going on for you? You're all over the place. Yeah, I'm all over the place. Mostly on uh, Twitter.com, at Disruptoid, just giving you awful, awful takes about baseball and all sorts of nerdy things. Um over for the Geekiverse, we're doing some really fun stuff. This has been this has been uh, my bread and butter, though. I'm having so much fun with this show. So any any love and support you can give this show, I really appreciate that. We're having so much fun talking about these movies. So if you're if you're bored at home and you really want to, you know, do something, rewatch these movies with us and uh, hop in the comments and give us your thoughts. That's been a lot of fun. Of course, we're doing uh, Geek Scott Game, our video game podcast. That's bi-weekly. We're doing our uh, Disney Plus podcast. That's monthly. That's called Pluscast. Uh, we're recording that right after this. We're going to be talking about uh, the final season of The Clone Wars. So that's going to be fun. Um, but yeah, other than that, Twitter, baseball, that's about it. Uh, so everybody at home has John to thank for making this show a reality. We had talked about it for a long time, but uh, just a few weeks back, about a month now, uh, John said, so uh, when are we getting serious about doing the MCU review? Uh, he produces it, he, he organizes it, and it uh, doesn't exist without him. Um, Rashawn, uh, you are all over the place as well. Uh, you've been a part of the Geekiverse for a little under two months now, but you are a star in just about all of our shows. Uh, so where can people find you online? And... Uh, any any other plugs? Yes, sir. Um, you can catch me here weekly on the MCU Reviewed. You can catch me bi-weekly on our uh, gaming podcast, Geeks Got Game. You can catch me monthly on the Disney Plus podcast as well. Um, just like John, I talk all types of different things on Twitter. Uh, True King Zero. You can follow me there. Basketball, gaming, um, movie stuff like this, Marvel stuff, any other movie news and, and topics and stuff like that. I'll I'll chime in on. Um, also, if you are into gaming, uh, catch me on Twitch, uh, True King Zero. Uh, catch me streaming a variety of games, whatever I feel like doing at that particular time. But um, yeah, I'm like you said, I'm everywhere. <laughs> uh, I am at Josiah D. Leroy on social media. You can find me uh, really talking about a lot of video games, MCU, and Star Wars coverage. Um, 
the Gigaverse is celebrating its sixth anniversary all month long. Uh, so we've got a uh, just a few weeks to go here. By the time you are watching this episode, we will have unveiled our sixth anniversary limited edition T-shirt. Uh, go get it while it's hot off the press. Once they're gone, they're gone forever. Uh, that is going to be at thegeekiverse.storeenvy.com. Uh, you can get this shirt here, which says I love you 3000 for the podcast listeners at home. We've got over 20 designs in there currently. And we'll be introducing a Marvel theme shirt that I believe anyone who listens to this show will greatly appreciate. Uh, let's see. Next week, boys, what do we got? Captain America? Yeah, the first Avenger. Cap. All right. Yes. Going back to the 1940s, my friends. We got Cap next week, and we've got the Avengers the week after. It's never too late to jump in. Go back, listen, and watch to, uh, all these episodes uh, that we've got on MCU Reviewed. For Dell, for John, and for Rashawn, I'm Josiah. We appreciate you tuning in. We'll catch you next week. Mm-hmm.